Hello and welcome to the final ever episode of the Slow Home Podcast. My name is Brooke McCallery. And my name is Ben McCallery, like it's been the whole time we've done this podcast. It has been for at least eight years. It has. Mm-hmm. It has. And it will remain Ben McCallery. It will. Uh, yeah, welcome to the final episode of the Slow Home Podcast. Uh, as you would have already know, I guess, when you clicked on this episode, it's pretty obvious. But we've got some announcements, um, some big news. I think we should just get straight into the episode. Let's do it. So here we are sitting in our back room Mm -hmm. on a rainy, kind of windy summer (laughs) day in uh in february um it's a highland summer it is very very changeable very very much so yesterday was very hot today we did have plans of recording this outside like we did the last episode which was so fun yep absolutely uh and we could have committed but i just don't think this equipment is waterproof enough and i also think the sound of like raindrops on raincoats would be really annoying very annoying (laughs) So we're sitting near a near a big window. Near a big window, uh, the echo is significant. But is it, uh, you know what? It's okay. This is, is a, it? This is the new. This is the new us. Mm. Unedited, raw audio coming from our living room. Well, yeah, it feels. Just going back to what you said about the last episode that we recorded, it was just very much a conversation, no script, no agenda. Um, and it was with absolutely no um, disrespect to any of the previous hundred episodes that we've recorded, <laughs> but probably the most enjoyable. One of the pod- funnest to record. Yeah, because yeah. it just, it was different. It was um, real, yeah. slow. It was yeah. slow in like the, the most intentional sense of the word, you know. And I think it um, was ultimately the catalyst for us to arrive at where we have arrived today yeah so without further ado do you want to just sort of talk about where we are Mm. and 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 why this is the the final episode of the slow home podcast yeah i think i mean ultimately it's just time yeah you know it's time to call time on something that has been a huge part of our lives for the past eight years it's like hundreds, 400 maybe episodes, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Um, the podcast has been, again, the catalyst for so many amazing things in our life, so many friendships that we have struck up, so many shifts in the way we live, the way we think, the way we view ourselves as part of the world. All of that has come from the podcast, but undoubtedly over the last two to three years, like this, the spark's gone, you mm. know, and I don't want to, con- I don't want to create things. Thanks, Joy. Mm. I don't want to create things from a place of um, obligation. I know it means a lot to a lot of people and it means a lot to us, but um, I think maybe the intentionality behind the podcast was lost at some point. Yeah. It's going to happen, right? Of like seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is going to happen. 
and I'm hesitant to say all of that because I don't want it to sound like I have any negativity towards any of it because I don't. Yeah. But it's time. Um, and look, I'm not going to bury the lead here either. We're calling time on the Slow Home podcast, but we are not stopping podcasting. Yeah. So yeah. we'll talk about that in a minute, but I don't want to make it sound like we're doing the old bait and switch because we're not. Um, but the Slow Home podcast as we know it, this is it. This is the final yeah. episode. And what it represents, yeah. 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 How do you feel about that? Relieved. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. How many episodes have we recorded in the last year? So um, we finished up the the final full season in April last year. Yeah. And the plan was always to come back in June or July. And then my health really took a very sharp yeah. nosedive. Which, like I was already quite unwell by the end of recording the last season or oh by yeah. the beginning of the recording last season. But yeah, I just could not, could not come back and do it. And particularly interviews. And I think I might've mentioned that last episode, um, doing interviews is particularly challenging for me because I just don't know what my health and energy and mm. voice and um, brain capacity will be like from day to day. So, yeah, I think that was the reason that we stopped at the end of April last yeah. year and just never picked it back up again in the same capacity. And similarly why, you know, moving forward, that our podcasting outputs will not look like they used to. Mm. So to answer your question, I think in the last year we've recorded maybe 10 episodes 10 episodes yeah and and may and the year before that wasn't too more much more than that so i just feel like the gradual i don't know like it's awful to say like just the gradual sort of decline slash end of the slow home podcast yeah because we we're both in a situation now where we've grown beyond what the slow home podcast represents and and in fact what slow home represents yeah and, and we've broadened our horizons and we're broadening our our outlook on things and that's why i think some of the reason why you're looking to to rebrand mm-hmm. um, essentially i cringe at the word rebrand but you're you're yeah, not wrong it's a yeah. rebrand it's a rebrand and refresh of what it is the essence of what you can provide the community, which we still think is going to be super relevant for you guys. Look, and that's the thing. Slow living has been the, we've gone through lots of iterations. Since yeah. I started writing online um, with the, the Slow Your Home website, you know, and that was like 12 years ago. Right. So, yeah, like five years before the podcast. Oh, yeah. 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 And previous to that, there was some other horrible blog iterations that I want what to talk about. What was it called? Yeah. My Dog Peppy? No, that was my first ever jewellery label uh, was what, called My Dog Peppy. What, what, Lavender Project? The Lavender Project, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you can go and look for it. I don't think it exists anymore, but I think it's gone to go where old embarrassing blogs die, but uh, maybe not. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I've been writing about – I was thinking about all the different kind of iterations, like the different hats that I wore. You know, there was like the – green cleaning earth mother type and when the kids were really it was all about you know um reusable nappies and like yes. learning how to use natural vinegar to, to clean our house and vinegar and lemon were featured heavily yeah yeah uh you know and then it, it shifted into um like simplifying you know using organizational you know, here come, tools here comes and, the cult yeah <laughs> and then it was minimalism 
you know, and then it was like rituals and rhythms and um, then it was really kind of solidifying the idea that all of this stuff was slow living in some form and that hasn't really changed. Like the yeah. the essence of slow living, which is intentionality, it's purpose, it's um, figuring out what our personal values are and then working out ways to live more in alignment with them over time. Like that's essentially what slow living is. It's about paying attention, having intention um, and knowing what is important to you in your life. Um, You know, thinking about the impact that we have, legacy, that kind of stuff, sure. But um, yeah, all that to say that slow is not going anywhere. You know, I think that as much as I've almost resisted it the last I've almost resisted it over the past few years like I yeah yeah tried to pull away a little bit but uh, maybe a little bit yeah, yeah. or um, yeah I, I I don't know and I, I think that I'm certainly broadening my scope of writing you know as I've spoken about before trying my hand at fiction and poetry and lots of other projects, you know, and then also work-related stuff that's not at all related to slow living. So I'm Mm. expanding in that sense. But the thing that I keep coming back to and have decided to, like, accept with open arms is this idea of slowness. But the brand, I guess, of the slow home started to feel like an obstacle yeah, really rather heavy. than yeah. a doorway yeah. or an invitation. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So long answer, but that's kind of why we're making the shift. Yeah. And it probably isn't that surprising to a lot of listeners. What we need to say, and I'm, we should have said this at the top, is we just want to thank everyone that's been Absolutely. on this journey with us, that's been on the slow home journey it's been on the Slow Home podcast as well. Oh, so exactly. Many so many people who guests. listen have been guests on the show. Yeah. So many of people who I now consider friends yep. I met through the show. I mean, I'm grateful to every single person who has ever listened to an episode, talked about it, come to an event, sent us an email, bought a copy of one of my books, like showing us support, showing the idea of slow you know, support over the years. I'm just incredibly grateful grateful mm. we both are yeah because yeah. as i said at the beginning so many wonderful things have happened as a result of this podcast so it's bittersweet yeah it is bittersweet so we we need to now move on we do don't we in this conversation and in life correct <laughs> and so do you want to talk about i guess what the slow home podcast has become or actually just what like Talk about the rebrand. So gross. Yeah. But it is that's essentially what you need to to sort of communicate is what that rebrand is and what it represents. Yes. So it's picking up on that slow theme, I guess, yeah. is the key. Absolutely. So I know I have mentioned it last year. Um, but I have been writing a weekly newsletter called The Tortoise over on Substack. And that idea of the tortoise, you know, the the saunter, the slow and steady, the intentional, determined tortoise mm-hmm. is really something that I kind of resonate with these days. 
and um, that's going to become the umbrella, I guess, idea that's going to cover what was previously this podcast um, and also my writing, my online writing moving forward, all of my slow living writing um, moving forward. So, yeah, this podcast will become, and this is important for you guys to know, I guess, if you're keen to come with us on the next um, leg of the journey, mm. is that you don't need to do anything. Do anything. Yeah. This um, this feed, this this podcast feed will become... It'll magically turn and transform into the tortoise. <laughs> through the magic of technology, <laughs> uh, will become the tortoise mm-hmm. podcast. And um, what I will say, though, is if you want to keep abreast of all of the changes that I'm making, all of the writing that I'm doing, um, particularly because I think my time on social media, I only use Instagram very sporadically as it is, but my time on social media is coming to a an end very soon. I just have so many issues with what it is, what it's become, what it's doing to people. Um, if you want to keep in touch with what we're doing, then I would really love it if you would come over to The Tortoise on Substack mm-hmm. and um, subscribe. So with that, you will get notification when there's a new episode of the podcast. But I also send out a weekly newsletter um, most Fridays where I talk about or write about some element of slow living. Um, and I also actually offer the newsletter as an audio recording. So if you're looking for some kind of audio input on a weekly basis, you can get that as well. Uh, but I'll, there's, I've also got some things in the works for paying subscribers too. So if that's something that you wanted to do um, to support the podcast moving forward, obviously we'd be incredibly grateful. But the weekly newsletter and the podcast, um, the monthly episode. Is our friendly Dolphin? <laughs> they will remain free to everyone. So, um, yeah, head over to brookmccallery.substack.com and join the crew there. I'd love to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you asked me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay. Well answered. Thanks. <laughs> um, I, I kind of think it might be a nice sort of lead-in, if you like, because of this, you know, it's, it's essentially a starting up what is essentially kind of like a new business. Well, it feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. To a certain extent. Um. Did you want to sort of talk about your health? Uh, yeah, I, I am happy to talk about that. I think because it's formed such um, <laughs> an inescapable part of the past year, you know, and, and how the podcast wound down unexpectedly and mm. why I have arrived at this new point of really leaning into the slowness of slow living and the steadiness of slow living as opposed to I think what I maybe used to do, which was I definitely used to do, which was I would do fast spurts of slow living. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's that was fine because that's how we worked our way through lots of experiments and we uh, made big changes and all of them – were positive, even if they didn't always stick. They always had, you know, positive influences on our lives. Uh, and my health has probably been the catalyst for shifting the lens of slow living for me this year. So, um, 
I know I mentioned last year that I'd had a, an operation and was still recovering from that. But essentially, uh, I had to have my thyroid removed September last year. And uh, that has been like a pretty major thing. I mean, it essentially went haywire last year and probably has been going haywire for, for more many that, years. Yeah, yeah. Looking back, I could pretty confidently say maybe a decade mm. um, of it gradually getting worse. And yeah, so having that removed last year was both a relief and a real challenge. And I'm still figuring out how to treat the condition that is no longer having a thyroid in terms of medication and managing um, fatigue and because whether I like it or not, that's probably going to be a part of my life moving forward. There's still some other factors at play that I don't, I'm not being cagey on purpose. We simply don't know what they are at the moment. Um, but I, for the first time in a long time, have felt a relatively stable trajectory of improvement in my health over the last probably only six weeks, yeah, since, really. Since Christmas almost, really. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, day on day, there's going to be good days and bad days. Um, but on the whole, it's kind of an upward curve, which is wonderful and I'm so glad for it, but also kind of scary because it's not like I haven't been there before where I've had mm. these periods of improvement and relative good health and then the crash comes, you know, and I'm left like bed bound. So I'm cautiously optimistic this time around, but also like a bit scared, you know, and that's, it's tiring. Mm. Like living that constant roller coaster of, you know, symptoms and crash and healing and recovery and back to symptoms and then it, it's yeah it's done a number on my headspace so I do feel cautiously optimistic that this year is going to be different because it is different like I'm in a different place physically I couldn't physically be in the same place as I was a year ago because my body is different yeah um I think that's why the the tortoise as like an animal has appealed to me so much too though because it's like you just take that very slow sauntering step forward rather than the hare that I probably used to be. Yeah, that's interesting. So how much did you take from the many years of like slow living? Mm. How much did you take that into your recovery or into <laughs> your sort of exploration of like your health and, and, and your feeling, you know, of, of, of not being well for a long period of time? Like how much, how much has that benefited you, do you think? Uh, that's a good question. I am at my heart an impatient person. Like, you are. So yeah. slow living has always been something that I have needed Yes. That's why I've written about it. That's why I've explored it. It's not because it comes naturally to me at all. I am the antithesis of slow in that I, um, I'm impatient. I rush at things like a bullet a gate. Um, I appreciate 
instant gratification. Like that's my natural default position. And that's why I slipped because I could see for many years that that was not serving me to just slip back into my default position over and over again was causing me to burn out. It was causing me to have massive levels of stress. And, you know, it wasn't, it might've been my default position, but it wasn't my default wellness position. So that's why I ultimately started to explore the idea of slow living because I needed it. Um, So to be challenged like I have been with my health over the last couple of years has also been to highlight maybe areas of my default being that needed more attention, you know, in terms of slowness. So like the biggest lesson for me has been patience. Mm. And like that is not easy. Being patient is not easy, particularly when it's like, Patience, combi- impatience combined with uncertainty combined with instability. Like like everyone, the last three years have been so unstable for in every sense, you know. So that was challenging in and of itself. And then I feel like adding, you know, the health stuff and adding work changes and adding family changes and everything else to it, um, it made being patient very necessary but also very very difficult Mm. because i just wanted some level of certainty which Mm. is so interesting to me because i've spoken and you and i have spoken at length over the years about how we love to throw everything up in the air and be like let's just see where it goes yeah Yeah. you know we gave away all of our stuff and sold our house and traveled with the kids for 18 months like and looking back i don't feel like we stressed about the uncertainty of that very much i'm sure we did but it wasn't the overarching emotion. Yeah. Like we loved it and we talk about it often and kind of wish we could do it again. <laughs> now is not the time, but <laughs> we wish we could do it again. So, you know, it was interesting and humbling to me, I guess, to um to go, oh, I like some forms of uncertainty, but only when I get to choose them. Yep. And that has been something that I've just had to sit with. Mm. Um, but more practically, I feel like it was a real blessing that I had spent so much time writing and researching and thinking on the idea of care over the last couple of years. You know, ironically, I think I wrote most of that book during a horrific flare. You're worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was definitely something that has informed my choices as I recognize that I just need to rest Mm. so i give you a very real example last friday we were meant to record this episode and we're all ready to go and it was a nice sunny day it was a beautiful sunny day (laughs) and you know very few trucks driving past it's very different to today uh the dogs were quiet yeah (laughs) Um, but i you couldn't do it I, i hit a wall at about half past eight in the morning the kids got off to school and tidied up a bit and i'm i actually cannot do this so it was yeah 8 30 in the morning or something i just hit a wall Mm. and i against you know the inner voice still which is still there i'm still loud and still prominent that's like you should push through i'm like no i'm going to bed and i did and i slept you had a couple of sleeps that day yeah Yeah. and that's what i needed Mm. So, you know, living with a chronic condition, I guess, and um, 
having to really prioritize rest sometimes it has been really beneficial that I at least understand the benefit of rest you know scientifically as well like having Mm. read about it so much and understanding its importance through the slow living kind of lens but yeah it's given it has also given me to be perfectly honest a probably a more realistic view of why some of the elements of slow living are so difficult to apply when you're up against challenges that I hadn't faced before you know so there's also a much greater level of like understanding and Mm. recognizing that none of it's black and white you know like for anyone who's wanting to make shifts in the way that like it's not black and white And I have a very little, like, diminishing patience for the idea that anyone has any answer to our life challenges that is black or white, mm. you know, that is, like, do this and you will be fixed. I, I, you know, and I'm sure there have been times that I've written about the ideas of slow living that have been quite binary. And I just don't think I can subscribe to that anymore. And I'm finding that challenging to write about too because it's people like in the age of the internet people want dot points they want uh not necessarily our audience but you know generally speaking people want sound bites they want quick fixes they want tips and tricks and it just doesn't work like that so i'm frustrated again if i'm being honest because what we need and what we want are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a very meandering response. But, yeah, slow living has absolutely informed the way I have approached recovery. Even though sometimes I'm doing it quite rigid, like I'm like through gritted teeth. I'm like, I'm just being patient. Yeah. You know. And that that's the truth of it. And it was through this recovery that... I think that's when you had that light bulb moment, sort of like what you needed when slow living first. Yeah. You start adopting slow living. And that's this thought or this philosophy around 1%. Yes. So do you want to go on and talk about what that is and, and what the 1%ers are and yeah, sure. how that will form like almost the backbone of the tortoise? Yeah. So I read a lot during my recovery, uh, started out reading, you know, scientific papers and online health forums and stuff just to not feel alone in mm. my recovery process, which was a lot bumpier than I was told it was going to be and continues to be bumpier than I was told it was going to be. Mm. So, you know, I read a lot, but that led me to gradually understand that while I might feel have felt alone in the struggles I was having. I certainly wasn't. So I was able to move on from that, which I think is a very healthy thing. It could very easily have become um, an unhealthy place for me to dwell long-term. But that then led me to reading more about people who live with chronic conditions, chronic illnesses, things like that. Uh, And that's where I kept coming across this idea of 1%. And it was always worded differently but it was essentially the same idea you know of what if this shift that I make in my treatment or what if this you know breathing exercise that I do every night or what if this 
you know, drinking extra glass of water, like whatever it is, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. What if it resulted in a 1% improvement in how I feel over time? Which is huge for a chronic illness. Massive. Yeah. And then the question is, well, what if I made a shift every week that led to a 1% improvement? Yeah. I mean, if you take compound interest into into it, like that is a multi, mm. you know, multiple 100% improvement over the course of a year. And then that led me to reading more about the idea of, you know, incremental improvement and things like that. And so there's all of these people writing about various aspects of 1% improvement or 1% effort or 1% extra. And it really resonated with me because I can no longer do things like hours. You know, I used to spend five, six, seven hours in the garden on a weekend, right? And yes, I'd be tired at the end of the day, but I managed yeah you know and like looking back it probably wasn't great to do that but i could yeah i cannot do that now so it's about saying okay well what's one percent effort extra effort that i could give and you know i realized that one percent of our day is just under 15 minutes yeah so i'm like can i give one percent of my day to something can i give one percent of my day to gardening can i give one percent of my day to rest can i give one percent of my day to uh you know improving my relationships with our kids whatever and it just feels so sustainable but also so intentional yeah because like i said i used to be like the hair you know i would do slow living in fast spurts whereas i can't and don't want to do that anymore so it's really about committing to this idea of one percent and it has ended up being my word of the year one percent but i actually think it feels much more powerful than I think that. it's your word of the decade. I think it might just be my thing from yeah. now on. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that really is the reason why the Slow Home podcast no longer felt mm. like it fit mm. well. It didn't feel like a, a coat that fit properly anymore, you know. It felt a bit restrictive, whereas this feels very – it feels open and it feels roomy, but it also feels very sustainable and very accessible. Oh, totally agree. Very yeah. accessible, diverse enough that I think it will sort of appeal to a lot of people. Yeah. You can take it anywhere you want. Like yeah. one, the, the theory around this 1% or the one percenters is sound and pro- like you could just see how it could work. Yeah. So James Clear has written about it a bit. And I, to be honest, I haven't read a lot of his stuff, but everything I have read, I've really liked. Mm. I've resonated with it. Mm. It's um, no nonsense based in, you know, simple philosophy or science yeah but he has written uh, quite a few posts about the idea of incremental improvement he's like okay so if you're looking at improving you know something a skill and you commit to a one percent increase in uh you know effort every day for a year you'll be 37 times better not 37 percent 37 times better by the end of the year. And to like that's because the 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 benefits start to compound. Yeah. You know, it might be very little at improvement the at the beginning. Yeah. But all of a sudden it takes off because you're improving on your improvements. You know, so that is appealing as well. Mm. But you know, I think that's only one side of it. Like, yes, incremental improvement is great. Sometimes I don't feel like I can improve. Mm. But sometimes I feel like I might be able to give one percent of my day to something, and that's enough too. 
You know where I first heard the 1% sort of theory or, or terminology was um, AFL, Australian football, mm-hmm. and um, the Sydney Swans had, and I'm sure other teams have done it, but I followed the Sydney Swans at the time. This is a, you know, a couple of, a decade ago at least. When they won the premiership. Yeah, yeah. back when Adam Goods was playing. Yeah. And, but they used to have this mentality of like, do the 1%. Mm. And the 1% weren't like you kicked a goal, you got an offload, you did a tackle. The 1% were like those short little plays that added up to something significant. So it might have been like chasing someone down, even though you knew you weren't going to get them, but you may have cut off like an angle that they were running or, you know, like... Slowed them down slightly. Or just like put doubt in their mind and then their kick was off target because of it, Mm. because of just the pressure. Mm -hmm. So that's like, that's another kind of, I don't know, idea and concept behind the 1% is like, it's not something that you can actually physically touch. It's not something that you can completely recall because it's not like it didn't change your life or didn't change your day or didn't change your hour or your, you know, your work day. But it was just something that would have contributed without it there would be significant difference between mm. the output and the mm-hmm. and the result. So I think that, like, I just think you can take it so many different ways, yeah, and I just absolutely. love it as a as a sort of oh god, I'm going to say it, bumper sticker message. <laughs> Good, there you are, there you are. You're still here, folks. Yes, I, and I, I agree. It can be applied in so many different ways, which is what I like about it. You know, it's much broader than anything I've probably ever tried to apply yeah. to to life and just so appealing but also genuinely transformative. So already, yep. you know, it's only the middle of February mm. and I really only came to it like middle of January maybe? Really? Yeah. 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 It's been that, yeah. It just feels something has shifted mm. as a result of this idea of 1%. And, yeah, I invite people. So I will be writing about that and exploring this idea of what that could look like and what it looks like for me, you know, month to month on the tortoise. So I definitely invite you, if that's something that feels even remotely interesting to you, and I've, I've already touched on it in a couple of posts and a lot of people have already said they're starting to apply it into their day-to-day with really positive results, just in terms of feeling different, not necessarily output. Mm. Yeah. Which exactly. I think is just as, if not mm. more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I invite you to, to come in and, and subscribe and join us because I think that's really going to be the sort of thread that runs through much of what I do from here on out yep. is both exploring the idea itself and how it unfolds. So to put that like in sort of practical ways, we're going to look at themes like and explore an experiment with things like a four-day working week, mm-hmm. uh, uh, tech-free months. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at social media and teenagers um, yeah. we're going to look at, yeah, like parenting teenagers. Like there's going to be so many different ways we're going to take this concept and, and explore it and share it with you guys. Yeah, so I think there's like big things like that, yep. which 
sort of big experiments, big ideas that we will use the idea of 1% through. And then there's also more, um, I guess, practical shifts as well, like that I've been thinking about the way it can be applied to. Uh, so, for example, weird that I've come back to this, but decluttering, right? <laughs> many years. That since, is so weird. Yeah, many years, but also very relevant. Hmm. You know, I think that it's still something that people find themselves doing and doing or needing, needing to, to do, do or, yeah. you know, feeling um, drawn to do. So applying 1% of your day to an a longer-term effort of simplifying I think is far more sustainable, far more realistic than, you know, trying to get it all done in a weekend mm. or, uh, you know, so, so taking the idea of spending 1% of your day working towards this greater project or this greater outcome is also a way that you can apply the mm. 1%, you know, and similarly with things like self-care or rest or creativity, or play, or relationships, you know, spending 15 minutes of your day in some capacity working to improve on that area of your life or immerse yourself in that, you know. It's so funny, I just laughed with the declutter because you know what I did just before we recorded this podcast? Mm -hmm. I decluttered my digital desktop, mm. spent 15 min minutes doing that, when I go back to work, I'm going to feel so good. Yeah. Like 1%, like, baby. Seriously. Yeah. Like I, yeah, it's just, it's kind of, yeah, 1%. It's going to change the world. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Why don't we spend uh, just this last little part of the episode just sort of reflecting on the Slow Home Podcast. Mm. And these are questions that I'm just going to make up now. Wonderful. It puts you right on the spot, Thank you so which much. is particularly interesting in a episode that doesn't get edited. Yep. So here we go. Okay. Like when you think about the Slow Home podcast uh, and like recording a particular episode, it's not. I'm not going to ask like, what's your favourite episode? Good, because I couldn't. No. Yeah. But like, what's something that just comes to mind when you think of like recording a Slow Home podcast episode? Generally speaking, just like the first thing that comes to your mind. I got sweaty. I was – there was not an episode, yeah. an interview episode, where I was not so nervous. Yeah. Like – But you always f came across so calm and that's like – That's good to know yeah. because like I would be pitted out. <laughs> it was disgusting. Get pitted. <laughs> so sweaty. Yeah. Um, and, you know – you were nervous? Uh, yes, yeah. very nervous, always, yeah. even yeah. if it was someone I knew. Yeah. Like, and that's because I always wanted it to be a good conversation, you know. And I always found it really challenging to uh, and fulfilling to have to split my brain almost in three parts. So you're like, here's the question I'm asking. I'm listening to their answer. I'm also thinking about the what, next question. Yeah, because then, you don't yeah, want to get yeah. caught flat, but you also don't want to miss what they've said and just move on to an unrelated question like that feels weird, you know, and you, it certainly wasn't always successful in that. But yeah, so I think it, ex I expended a huge amount of mental energy every episode. You're like interviewing though, just like improved so really? much, didn't it? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like the whole, you can go back to like 
the first one of the first I don't know twenty episodes and compare it to some of those like really intense in depth conversations mm. you had with guests. Like it's just you've just grown so much with your interviewing. Mm. It's amazing. It's it was a really surprising um, journey for me. Yeah. To be an interviewer because I was pathologically incurious. Yes. Okay. Even yeah. as an adult, like yeah. I. I think it was probably like growing up, you know, it wasn't polite to ask questions because you didn't want to sound rude. Rude. Yeah. Mm. Like you're, it's mm. none of your business, you mm. know. And that was probably something that being taught to be polite and respectful, I probably internalized that too much, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where asking questions felt wrong. So it was that was something I was very aware of before I started podcasting, and it's interesting to me that that's where I ended up was asking questions of uh, people. Absolutely, yeah. So that has been wonderful because I think I'm a much better listener for it. I think I ask good questions of people. You know, I become much more empathetic. Not that I ever. Like, was, oh, wasn't yeah, you were very empathetic, but yeah. you know, a, a broader understanding of what that empathy can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, sweaty. What was the? Can you remember the first episode of the Slow Home Podcast? I think the first one I ever recorded with was with Joel Zaslovsky. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, it yeah. may not have been the first one that was released, but it was the first one I recorded. Yeah. And he was a friend of mine, so you know, he was very kind because he was also podcasting at the time and gave me a really good piece of advice. I think. That was like, if you ever get stuck with questions, you know, yeah. you kind of get to a point where you're, you've frozen up or you've got, you don't know where to go, yeah. uh, ask them how or why. Yeah, okay. You know, but it's like, okay, so I'm talking about this thing that I've instigated mm. in my life. It's like, it's but how? Yeah. It was a really, really How is such a powerful question. Well, yeah, because so often people talk around the how. And you leave a conversation or an article, or you're like, you're like, that sounds great, but how do I do it? How did you do it? It's like that. Yeah, one word questions are often the most powerful. The other one is really, mm. because you you're not only wanting the guest to expand on their answer, mm-hmm. but you're kind of challenging the answer. <laughs> it's sort of weird. Okay, what about this one? Just thinking in your memory, what's what's the most memorable episode? That you can think of. First one that came to yep. my mind was the zombie apocalypse one that you and I did. Oh my gosh. Remember that one? Recorded in your parents or your dad's office um, when we were staying there. Okay. Um, bef- I can't remember why we were there. Yeah, I don't know. I have was no there idea. renovations at the house or no. something? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, it was. I, I distinctly remember what you know we were recording. I don't remember where we recorded. I just remember I remember the episode. Yeah, it was bizarre. Slow living and the apocalypse. Yeah, so it was. I remember why we recorded it. We were very into The Walking Dead at the time. That's right. And we'd recorded a host full the week before with Q and As, and someone had asked a great question. Was like, how would slow living help you in the zombie apocalypse or Such something? A great something like that. Yeah. And we riffed on it and had a laugh. And then the next week's episode, the interview was cancelled last minute, I think. And yeah. we're like, hey, how about we just do this? A whole episode. And on it, it was fun because we went into like, what would be our weapon of choice? And yours was a golf club. <laughs> and mine was like 
pruning shears or something, would we would we, would we survive wow. the apocalypse? You know, how would slow living help us to oh, prepare funny. for it? All that kind of stuff. It was fun. Yeah, that was fun. What's your most obs- what, yeah? Uh, what's been the most obscure place you've recorded a podcast episode? One or just one that comes to mind that's sort of weird. Oh, there weird. was um, quite a few wardrobe recordings while we were traveling. Mm-hmm. Like I would record in various small cupboards. Mm-hmm. Recorded a it wasn't a podcast episode. That was a someone else's interview. Well, it doesn't matter where. It was but... in the front seat of a camper van <laughs> at like eleven p.m. at night. Do you yeah. remember that one? Yeah, that one was funny. Yeah, uh, it was while we were on the book tour. Yeah. Where else has been obscure? You know, one that comes to my mind for some reason, it wasn't really obscure, but it was in the Melbourne Library. Oh, yeah, with, with Annie. Annie. Annie Razor Roland. Yeah, for some reason, because it was just a hassle to try and get a recording space in Melbourne that we could just get into. Mm. And, and I remember just being in the library and it was just... Yeah, it was just a weird place to record. It was wonderful episode. though because it was one of the – we don't do a lot of face-to-face or didn't do a lot of face-to-face right. and yeah. I loved it because yeah. A, she's such a warm, beautiful person uh, and B, there was a different energy when you're looking at someone, Yeah, you know, because that was back in the day when our, inter- <laughs> our internet connection when we used to live in the Blue Mountains was so appalling that I couldn't even video That's right. with people when I was recording. it was so bad, yeah. So it was only audio – like the last couple of years at least, I've been able to Zoom with people and mm. see them when we've recorded for the majority of, of episodes and that's different. So, so much. Like mm. the difference that like Zoom's mm-hmm. had through COVID mm-hmm. and just being able to record and yeah, massive. And it became normal, right, as well. We all got much better at, at communicating via video, via screen rather than necessarily face-to-face. So it became much more normalised. Yeah. One of the... Ones that I keep coming back to, and obviously I would because it's when you interviewed me when we were in Canada, mm-hmm. Canmore, mm-hmm. Um, and just like, I just remember it being a significant recording because after it I was like, whoa, I've never really shared like that in a mm. public space ever. Yeah. It was just really, I just remember it. I remember the smell. I remember how cold it was. I remember exactly where I was. I loved that place yeah yeah that was amazing very special so the podcast has been like a companion through all of that Mm -hmm. all of it i remember (laughs) um this is going back a a while 2016 maybe okay so we flew to canada for a trip and we released a podcast episode literally just before we left like before we flew out i think it was scheduled to go live and then we flew to canada it's like you know basically a 24-hour process to get from Sydney to mm-hmm. um, the Rockies. And we got there and it was late, so we went to bed, woke up in the morning and I had all these messages on um, my Instagram maybe or oh, emails yeah. and comments on the um, website coming up and it was, are you guys okay? Like I think that you might have uploaded um, an uncut episode. There's and, a lot of pauses and silence. And, and then yeah. someone's like, you sound like you were arguing and someone else is like, you sounded like you were about to get a divorce. Did they? Oh my God. And we had, I had 
inadvertently uploaded the raw file rather than the edited file. And it was an episode and it happens, right? We're married. We have, we were at a point then where we had, I think we were recording twice a week or publishing twice a week year round. And, and it was just before you flew out, sure. right? Like, so you, it was the stress of all that and getting a podcast episode. days oh. like where we had to record, mm. but, you know, the energy was maybe not as great as it could have been. <laughs> so we'd, like, be snippy at each other. Always fine. We'd always leave the room fine, but it might have sounded worse than it was. Anyway, that was – I have never been so mortified in my life. and And then people loved it. It became like this mythical thing that people like, oh, I've still got the old, the uncut episode on my playlist. Uh, obviously, I removed it and replaced it with the edited version, but people like, you really shouldn't have. So that was yeah. interesting. They wanted to hear the bickering. Yeah. We could always. The deep size. I think that's what it was. It probably was less, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was Bickering, but memorable. more size. Yeah. yeah. But you know, the other thing that I, I have real fondness for are the experiments that we did. So those month-long experiments where it was, you know, spend an hour outdoors every day mm. and every week we would report back on how we felt. To, at the time, recording that was, it was a lot because it was quite a commitment to, A, do the experiment, which looking back was the experiments themselves were probably a bit much. Um, there was no 1% in them. It was more like 5 6 10%. I kind of love them though. Sure. And, you know, and again, that goes to like the fast bursts, spurts of slow living. Um, so it was a big ask. And I think doing them back to back to back was probably exemplary of, of how <laughs> we, you know, pushed yeah. ourselves a bit. But I have such fondness for all of those things because they taught me so much, mm. you know, and we'll talk about this maybe in the future, but that's something that we're just, privately going to bring back a little bit this year we're going to like you mentioned yeah. uh do a social media free month not so much for our benefit anymore but for our kids who are certainly at a very different stage in life than when they were when we were last podcasting re regularly they won't be featuring and their stories won't be featuring on the podcast um very much because they're their own people and you know that's not my story to tell but that idea of experimentation and what I know you and I learnt from things like getting off social media for a month or spending an hour outside every every day for a month, that kind of stuff, really did inform changes in the way we live, long-standing changes. So that was always something that I think people commented on that they enjoyed, but I certainly enjoyed recording. Yeah. Do you have any... Yeah, I kind of shared like my okay. favorite. It's sort of different when you're editing as well for the majority sure. of the time. Sure, yeah, I couldn't do what you did. Um, I know that you've never listened to a Slow Home podcast episode ever. So there's newsflash, Brooke has never heard a Slow a Home full podcast. A episode of podcast. Well, because I'm, I have the conversation, right? Yeah. But I find listening to myself mm. brutally uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny when I edit a podcast that I'm like, I'll edit it quite hard mm. uh, when I hear my own voice, but moving forward, but that's not something that we're going to do. We're going to really embrace this whole being outside unedited, um, just get into a flow of mm. conversation. What I'd like to do 
uh, certainly experiment with anyway, is going for a walk and recording or sitting in the bush and recording, you know, um, playing around with that idea of, you know, picking up the thread of a conversation. Yeah, it's so, so, you know, podcasts at the beginning, it's just all about authenticity Mm -hmm. and I feel like some of that has been lost. Oh, absolutely. And I think that needs to be embraced again. Well, I think... I like the idea of operating at the opposite to what the industry is mm. doing. And it is very, very much an industry now. Yeah. You know, it's uh, so much of it is highly polished. Commer- like really commercialized. Very yeah. commercial. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at podcast charts, it's either celebrities with their own shows or radio shows that have been turned into podcasts. Like, yeah. They are not what we do. And no. I, I think that there is a whole group of people who are being underserved by what podcasting has become. And I like a good celebrity chat show. Like Dax Shepard's podcast is probably one of the podcasts I listen to with regularity because he's a great interviewer and interviews interesting people about interesting things. Um, and he's probably more lightly edited than most, but I so. I can't yeah. I can't even put that in the same category as just like a free-flowing conversation between people necessarily um totally like what i'd like to present but that's you know and that's also something that requires a bit of letting go of mm. getting it right like all the time and being super- embrace that raw audio honey <laughs> <laughs> i have discovered more recently or probably learned to accept more recently that i do have a very strong control freak element to my personality and you're looking at me like no kidding. <laughs> but that is something that I've like the last year has really taught me to acknowledge and accept, but also work towards like letting some of that go, you know, accepting help, even if it doesn't come in the exact packaging that I would package it up in or that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, like embracing the rawness is going to be good for me, I think. One percent at a time. Just let go. One percent at a time. <laughs> Till nothing's left. Oh, or something brand new emerges. There you go, Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. The the tortoise emerges from the ashes. Glory. Can't wait to see the artwork for the tortoise. It's coming up. It is something that you've created. It is. Yes. I had a lot of fun making it actually. Yeah. I asked people over on the tortoise for name suggestions for our tortoise mascot. Right. Mm. What did you get? What's Um, winning so far? One of the suggestions was Terry. Terry the tortoise? Terry the tortoise. Another one was Cotton. Cotton the tortoise, which is cute. Sounds like a rabbit, but yes. Oh, okay. Cotton the hare and Terry the tortoise. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. It's, I've been having a lot of fun with that kind of play, yeah. you know, creative play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I, look, <laughs> that's it, I think. That's it. That's, that's the it. Slow Home Podcast wrapped up. Um, this is the end, folks, but the beginning as well. Mm. Yeah. Yes, that's important. Just think know. of this as like a huge mega 400 episode season one. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Season two will be with you shortly. 
So in terms of publish like publication when we're dropping episodes, yeah. the plan is, and this feels doable given, you know, health constraints and everything else that we're working around. But the plan is at the moment, the f- every third Thursday of the month, there'll be a new episode. Yep. At this point, yep. that's what we're, we're working towards. Um, so, yeah, don't unsubscribe. Don't think that you need to do anything different as of the third Thursday of next month. There should be a new episode and it'll be the first episode of The Tortoise. Um, but also head over to brookmccallery.substack.com and subscribe there and then you won't miss it. Yeah. That's what I would, would recommend. Yeah. So, again, thank you everyone who has gotten to this point in the episode. But also if you've listened to one episode, if you've listened to all 400 of the episodes, um, you know, if you've, if you were there from the beginning of slow your home, I know there's a few people who have been readers before they were listeners. Mm. Thank you. You know, for, for everything, for the support and the, um, the community and the questions and the kindness and the understanding when we disappeared for months at a time, it's, um, it's all made a, a big impact on us and I don't we wouldn't be where we're at in life if it wasn't for the community around slow living, you know, and people who, who get it and who are who are on the, the trip with us. So we're incredibly grateful. Well said. Thanks. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Ben, very much. Actually, thank you, Ben. <laughs> thank you, Brooke. Oh. Um, until next time. Take care. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.